I think, I think uh, one of the reasons why we are here is to reclaim the elements and the essence of kind of who we originally came in as that became uh, reprogrammed and masked as elements or aspects of other people, right? And a lot of getting into this personal growth work is about letting go of who you thought you had to be or who you were programmed to be that isn't really you so that the real you can emerge. And when we're being the real us, that, that actually is the way to everything that we want. Welcome to the Tip to Scales podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRank. This week, I have a super special guest that is not part of the legal space. And I'm really, really excited about this episode because it's something that I'm really passionate about. I really do think it's one of those love it or hate it, this stuff either interests you or it doesn't. So this episode focuses on mindset. David Bear is a mindset coach and he has helped me and my husband tremendously. So I'm really excited to have him on. And yeah, we just talked about all things mindset, limiting beliefs, you know, how most of our beliefs come from childhood and all that good stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining me today, David. I appreciate it. Great to see you. It's been a minute. I know. Well, why don't you give us a little background um, as to what you do? It's very rare for me to do virtual episodes, so I have to really, really want to do an episode to do it virtually. Um, so just give people a little bit of background as to what you do, and then we can talk about you know, how I know you. Sure. Um, so my wife and I have a company. Um, some of this is an update, Maria, since we've spoken as we've continued to grow and evolve the brand. So we have a company called Whole Human, and our focus is on helping entrepreneurs, business owners, successful professionals, moms, dads, people who are breathing, who, uh, who, who really want to remove the things that they're not enjoying from their lives and create more of the vision that they have for their life. And the way they do, we do that is... Um, We've developed some systems and structures that really integrate neuroscience, behavioral psychology, um, wisdom teachings, and universal truths um, to, to help people um, really transform their perception of their past. You could call it childhood traumas, limiting beliefs um, that have developed in the habits of thinking and habits of emotion uh, that have created the life that you have today. Right, the way that you have habitually thought and habitually felt are producing habitual action, and so any change that we want to create in our lives is going to come from a changed um, habit of those those things, which are really the causes: our thoughts and emotions. Um, and so that's what we help people do, and the result is greater levels of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, emotional resiliency, which you know, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or someone who wants to be successful in their career, I think all of us right now those those three skills self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and emotional resiliency are the most val valuable skills we can have for being centered in what feels like an increasingly chaotic and uncertain world. So that's what we do. We help people do that. Got it. Now, I think a lot of people are going to think that this is, um, it sounds, what's the word? Like, not magic, but you know, it has it like a like native. Woo -woo? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to the person that's about to turn off the episode because they're not into that? 
Well, number one, I just allow people to turn off episodes who <laughs> who are are not on on a journey right now of being open to um, really uh, science driven and data driven understandings of how we are evolving as a, as a human human beings and as a species. So, you know, I, I think when we talk about creating change, there's there's an internal and an external mechanism, and I'll speak to, to both briefly and it may be the external mechanism that people find a little bit woo-woo but at the nucleus of behavioral psychology is the idea that what you believe meaning the meanings that you gave the experiences of your life predominantly before the age of seven before the prefrontal cortex was fully formed you were recording every experience that you had you were recording your parents experience with money you were recording their relationship mostly of your of your belief systems come from your primary caretakers you're just a you're a sponge. Uh, and that, that mechanism is really, really useful. It helps us um, assimilate a tremendous amount of meanings very, very quickly so that the brain can figure out, am, am I in a threatening situation? Right? And so someone listening right now could probably fill in the blank of, you know, when I was growing up, money was blank. And this is why two kids coming from the same exact uh, set of parents can have two completely different um, wiring right because the parents could have been at very different times in their careers or just their it, so many other reasons right is sure. is that accurate yeah two different you may pick up certain behaviors you know i have a 10 year old son right now so i just anybody who's had a child Wait, who's been present to their 10 month old yeah that's how he feels already right like it, it's fascinating to watch how observant he is of everything, every move I make, every sound I make, and how he mimics it and models it. So sure, you could have two children that come from the same family. Some have adopted more primary patterns from one parent than another. You also have like acclimating responses, meaning you, you adopt the response or the body pattern or the belief system or whatever was modeled. Um, or you could have a reactive uh, uh, application, meaning, you know, you're you grew up in an environment where money was hard to make. And so you were like, never again will, you know, I experience financial insecurity. And so I'm going to go out and hustle and grind my ass off in order to make sure that never happens again. Right. So, but it's, it's really two sides of the same coin because and just getting back to your question of, you know, this, this idea of bettering ourselves and why it's important, your, your core beliefs, whatever they are, that you can't trust people because, you know, that's a conclusion you came to, or maybe you were a victim of abuse, that, you know, um, people don't love you, that you're not good enough, that money's hard to make, uh, that there's not enough time. Those inform on a moment-by-moment -moment basis as an adult how you think. So, for example, I, 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 I don't have any more beliefs around money that are out of alignment with what I want to create. I believe money is easy to make. I believe money is my birthright. I believe prosperity flows to me. I have lots of evidence in my life. And so as a result, now having done transformational work at 47 years old, I have thoughts of making money easily. I have thoughts of making money that are in alignment with like how I want to live my life and how I want to be and who I want to be. So whatever beliefs you have, again, formed at an early age and usually not modified until we get into this work. You just continue to carry out the same beliefs. You're going to think like that as an adult. And when you have thoughts, there's an, an electrical activation in your brain of the neurosynaptic connections of your brain. So literally like these memories and these meanings are lighting up in your brain as you're experiencing, you know, your work life or your relationship life in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And then you experience that electrical 
activity as it's translated into the nervous system is an emotion. So what are we saying? Your beliefs inform how you think as an adult, how you feel, and what's the one thing that catalyzes the action that you do or do not take? It's your emotions. They're the, they're the fuel in the engine of action and activity. So the quality of the emotion is going to be similar to the quality of the thought, which is going to be in alignment with the belief, and that's going to produce a, an aligned action. And so if you've got a belief that you can't trust people, then you're probably running a business where it's very difficult to hire good people and, and it's challenging for you to scale because that's what's producing your results. And those results reinforce the original belief. Oh, see, I knew it. I can't trust people. Oh, see, I knew it. Money is hard to make. Oh, see, I knew it, et cetera, et cetera. I have a question. So could a lot of these beliefs be subconscious? Like you don't even remember, like you're not even aware that you have these beliefs. And like, how do you, if that's the case, how do you uncover them? It's a great, it's a great question. So, so first, let's just, as we bring people along in this conversation was, hey, this idea that, you know, your mindset is creating your results or creating your reality, that sounds a little woo. And my answer is, well, it's not woo at all. It's called psychology. If you go understand how the psychological sciences work and how the human being operating system works, and you understand it through a neurobiological and neurophysiological sense, what you believe dictates your thoughts, what you experience those thoughts as emotions, those emotions motivate or demotivate action, and those actions produce results, and those results reinforce the beliefs. And we could talk about the external mechanism that is operating as well to help you create either your worst fear or your greatest dreams and hopes and goals, um, basically whatever you believe. So you said, well, how, if this stuff is unconscious, how do I become more self-aware? How do I become aware of the limiting beliefs that may be operating in the background and creating unconscious decisions and emotions and thoughts that aren't in alignment with the life I want or the business I want or the money I want or the health I want? Our unconscious mind is revealed to us in our reaction to our experiences. And so if we're, if, if we're looking for limiting beliefs, for example, you're like, hey, what is it that I've been believing that's creating, you know, this circumstance or situation in my life? Or, hey, I just want to become more self-aware so that I can work with this unconscious material. How do I do it? My answer is pay attention to your reaction to the experiences of your life. Because your reaction is not an effect of the experience. Your reaction, going back in just this first example of how psychology works, what I'm calling the internal mechanism, your reaction is actually the cause. Meaning the belief you have about an experience that you're having, that's the belief that created it. Right? We just so often get it backwards and we think that the experience itself is like, is forcing me to feel this way or forcing me to think this way. So if you start paying attention to your reaction to the relationship experiences you don't like, the health experiences you don't like, the business experiences you don't like, whatever it is, then that will give you optics into the unconscious material that then gives you access to create transformation. So just to give people a little bit of context, so maybe, what was it, like about a year ago, um, my husband and I worked with David and his team for a, a very intensive year of working on all of these things, and we found it to be super helpful. To this day, there doesn't go a month that doesn't go by that we kind of touch on what we've learned, and we still use uh, Primal and um, what's powerful the other one? States. Powerful yeah, states. Yeah, we don't use Powerful. We use Primal all the time. We call each other all the time. <laughs> you're in a Primal state right now. Like, talk to me when you're not in a Primal state. Um to this day, all the time, every week, we are like, nope, you're in a primal state, not interacting with you right now. 
So, but to go back to, to what we were talking about, but to me, it just all sounds like the way that I explained those things would just be like energy and manifestation. So there are so many different names for this. And there are people that they just don't believe in manifestation. They're like, that doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Um, so can you touch on why, like what manifestation isn't? Because I think the secret confused everybody. And now a lot of people don't believe in manifestation. I really appreciate what you're asking. It's a perfect segue, right? Because we said, hey, there's this internal mechanism that we understand through psychology that what you believe produces the experiences or results in your life, right? There's nothing hard to believe about that. One has to be a psychology denier <laughs> in order to go, no, that's not how it works. <clears throat> and, but then there's this energy and manifestation way of accessing this conversation. And I think that's what's so beautiful about what's happening in the world right now is that different ways of describing how to become more powerful and how to change our lives and now how to change the world as we're starting to come together as, as, as a fellowship of human beings that may not agree on everything, but many of us agree like there's a lot of things going on in the world that are being driven by centralized power structures that we don't agree upon. How do we change the world, right? So it's like change at all level. In your personal life, it might be, hey, how do I change my health condition? I want to overcome my autoimmune disease, right? In your relationship, it might be, hey, how do I have a better relationship with my partner or my kids uh, or maybe attract a partner? So we want change at an individual level, and then I think we're all coming together. I'm seeing it uh, powerfully as change at a global level. So there's this external mechanism that you're calling manifestation or energy or magic, and it can feel new age or woo-woo, but it's not. It's, it's a fundamental understanding of how our reality works. And so it'll, it'll take me a minute to explain this, but I think it's worth hearing. We talked about how every time you have a thought, there's an electrical activation in your brain. And as that thought gets translated through the nervous system, you experience that thought as an emotion. But if we were to look at it at one level, it's all electrical activity. We're these sort of electrical, mechanical beings that are covered in this uh, really extraordinary human being bodysuit. So every single moment, you've got electricity that you are activating inside of you according to the thoughts you choose, which also then become emotions that's producing a very specific quality of vibration or resonance. And you are emitting, go ahead. But we don't choose a lot of our thoughts. That's a great point. If you're not aware of your thinking, then these thoughts are happening as automatic responses to the experiences of your life. And so Got you it. just continue to think the same things and react the same ways, which is why after I finish explaining this, external function of how we change our lives, one can conclude or realize that's why I keep creating the same scenarios over and over and living a Bill Murray Groundhog Day type of existence. New relationship, no, and, same relationship, right? New. Go ahead. I agree with you a thousand percent. So I want the listeners to be clear that I agree with David a thousand percent. I have seen it in my life. I have recognized it. I put it ends to certain situations reappearing so, okay, keep going. Yeah, and someone, by the way, who doesn't have the attention span to get through a three-minute explanation of how we create coincidences and synchronicities in our life, like this is something I've realized, probably just hasn't been through enough pain in their life 
to be in this conversation <laughs> because when you when you have enough discomfort going on in your life and someone starts to say, hey, you are actually you have an ability to respond and change your life. It's like, you know, you start to pay attention. Right. So this conversation but I think it's also here, though, it's like knowing that you have the power and then not wanting to act on it, because then what if that also fails? So I don't think it's I don't think it's just a oh, perfect life. I have I don't have enough discomfort. I think a lot of people are really, um, they want to be a victim. So now if all of a sudden you say to them, hey, you're responsible for your life and everything that happens in your life, then they're like, wait a minute, no way, I don't believe that. Yeah, you, a, a great way of describing it as well would be just committed to victimhood or the certainty of their current lives. Um, so much so that there's not a desire or space for change. But if you want change, this, this external mechanism functions in this way. Your habit of thoughts and your habit of emotions produce a habit of vibration, an electrical current, resonance in your nervous system. And you're, you're a transmitter. You transmit this energy. We can measure this energy. You're, so you're this, is for, proven. this is proven. This is a thousand percent. We know that this happens. Sure, yeah. We understand that the nervous system conducts electricity. We understand that that electricity... Uh, is you experience emotions as a result of the thoughts that the thoughts originate, generally speaking, within the brain, and that there's this this passenger journey of energy through the body. For most people, it's unconscious, to your point, uh, but we do have the ability to become self-aware and start selecting our thoughts and curating them more more judiciously. So as we're emitting this vibration, uh, you're. On, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, for example, you're emitting about the same of electrical energy as a, as a lamp light bulb from your head. Your nervous system produces a little bit more energy than that. We're emitting this frequency or this vibration or this very specific electrical current into what I would call a vibrational reality. So what do I mean by re reality? This energy in your body and this energy outside of your body. If you go back to your you know, seventh grade science class, your teacher may have explained that the whole world, the material world, matter, as it's described in physics, is made up of molecules. Uh, so this table that I'm sitting at is comprised of molecules. The screen that you and I are looking at is comprised of molecules. Molecules are made up of smaller things called atoms. And in the atomic model, you have a nucleus, which consists of two particles. Particles are the only things that are material. Two particles, neutrons and protons, in the nucleus of an atom. And my teacher said, that's like putting a basketball in the middle of a football field. That's the size of the nucleus in relationship to the atom. And there are electrons, which are also particles, that are rotating around the nucleus. And the distance would be, in the proportion, similar to a tennis ball in the parking lot. So they explain that, you know, atoms, the fundamental building blocks of everything that is very physical and material in our reality are made up of things that are 99.9999999% space, nothing. And you go, well, how do we experience it as something? Like we experience a thing that is mostly no thing. It's very physical, don't we? Well, the answer is we've been given five senses, which are energetic interpretation devices that are able to translate, just like there's HTML code behind our browsers that allow us to see a web page, that translate this vibrational reality into the base reality that we experience. Your eyes are interpreting vibration into something that you can perceive as 
the birds that are sitting in a tree, your ears are interpreting sound, which is really nothing but waveform energy vibration. It hits your tympanic membrane and gets translated into the beautiful sounds of the bird. Same thing with our sense of smell, our sense of taste, and our sense of touch. And I'm brought back to that scene in the Matrix where one of the bad guys is eating a piece of steak and they go, hey, you know, the steak's not even really real. And he goes, I don't care. It tastes real. And now we're understanding that even the electrons and the neutrons and the protons, the stuff we thought was solid within the atomic model, when we can now look at those at a, at a quantum level, this is quantum science, not quantum theory, we're seeing that, in fact, they aren't particles at all. They're made up of smaller parts that are potentials of energy that sometimes might be a particle and other times are not. And this is what reality, uh, Einstein said when, when he said, meant when he said reality is an illusion, albeit a persistent one. And so what's happening is that we're interacting with this vibrational holographic simulation of an experience, and everything is connected. This goes back to the Eastern teachings of the Hermetics that called it the Great One or the Great Mind or the Buddhists who called it the Great shining body of radiance that has no beginning or no end or if you go in your favorite vegan restaurant and you hear someone hip to the new age conversation going we're all one like what does this mean well it just means that we live in this fluctuating ocean of energy and so since you have the ability to contribute vibration into this energetic flow other people and situations and circumstances through the infinite structure of intelligence meaning all the different people out there who are creating all these cause and effect scenarios have a tremendous impact in, in, in co-creating with you the circumstances of your life. And so that's why when you think about someone they call or you run into them at the grocery store or we're able to start mapping out and seeing that all the frustrations and challenges you have in your life are exactly the reflection of the limiting beliefs and the childhood traumas that you have. So you're constantly thinking and feeling and life itself is receiving it and trying to meet you with the with the constant vibration or communication that you're putting out there. So 100% you're right. It's energy, it's materialization and manifestation. Now that doesn't mean that you just want to have a million dollars and it falls on your lap while you're sitting at home eating cheesy puffs and Netflix, right? It doesn't mean that you meet the man or woman of your dreams by staying at home and someone knocks on your door, although it's certainly possible with all the Amazon deliveries so, we have these days. So it doesn't mean, um, it and this is where mean, I love Dispensa. Yeah. It means that. So there's an equation that I want to share with you that I wasn't aware of when we were working together, but that I've since become aware of. And that is desire plus non-resistance equals desired result. Okay. Desire okay. plus non-resistance equals desired result. And so I give an example. So the resistance is the problem. So let's say you want to grow your practice right? That's your desire. If there's non-resistance, meaning if you don't have any doubts about whether you're good enough to grow your practice, you don't feel like there's not enough time, you're not frustrated that it's very hard to find additional partners to bring onto your law firm or paralegals in order to grow your practice. You, you can grow it even if you feel that there's not enough time. I am like a living proof of, of this. What's that? I am a living proof that you can grow even if you believe there's not enough time in a day. You can. You can. That's the beautiful I'm thing. I'm sure it's about. much harder. I'm sure it's. I'm sure I make my life much harder. Sure, because although I'm I haven't not thought about it for a while. The the equation is not desire plus resistance equals you can't create the outcome. That's not what I said, because desire plus resistance equals mutant form of outcome with enjoyable experience of journey. 
That's the equation you get with desire plus resistance. Even if you can create the outcome. Failed outcome or mutant version of outcome with unnecessary stress and tension and breakdown of your body and impact of your relationships and not achieving your full potential. That's the equation of desire plus resistance. What okay. I'm saying is desire plus non-resistance equals desired result in a beautiful, intelligently aligned way. But how do you stop the resistance? Well, that would be another conversation, but let's at least first get clear that if you're playing the game of making more money, growing your business, having more joy, being a better parent, being more spiritual, taking more vacations, achieving more impact, whatever the desire is, let's be clear, the game is not desire plus figure out a plan to achieve desired result. That, that ain't the game. The game is desire plus non-resistance equals desired result. And I want to show you why, because I know that your listeners and you and I have been living a life where we're very good at setting goals and going after them. And yet here we meet at 35, 45, 55 years old, burned out, stressed out, signing up for seminars with people like me to figure out what's gone wrong. And so what's gone wrong is that we haven't understood the equation for living a powerful, creative, fully, uh, fully aligned life. And that's desire plus non-resistance equals desired outcome. So let's say your desire is growing your practice. You want to bring on more of the right people. You want to bring on more of the right clients. And you don't have any limiting beliefs around it. Now, well, but my industry works this way, Dave. You don't quite understand. Okay, well, Elon Musk's industry worked a particular way too, but the rest of us didn't understand. So if, if you can truly operate without any resistance around, I'm not good enough to grow my business. As I mentioned, there's not enough time. So both direct and indirect resistance to what you're wanting to create. What naturally happens, and we just talked about this a moment ago with the internal mechanism, is that if your beliefs are aligned, meaning there's no resistance with the desire, then you're going to have thoughts that are naturally going to occur in alignment with that desire. You will have emotions that will feel good, that are intelligent and aligned with the desire that you, out, uh, outcome that you desire. You will then take action, right? And that action might be unconscious, clicking on an ad to sign up for a webinar that gives you the answer. Choosing the seat right next to somebody at, a, at a, an exhibition or a convention who ends up being an amazing connector for you, right? We call it timing or coincidence. But you're going to take intelligent action, an intelligent action taken over time with good feeling intelligent emotions driven by aligned, responsible, intelligent thoughts that come naturally based on empowered beliefs are going to produce the desired result. And so... When we look from the outside, we go, oh, that person figured out that strategy and took that action and produced that result. But that strategy and that action was in effect. It wasn't the cause. It was an effect of a certain set of emotions, a certain set of thoughts that came from a certain set of beliefs, right? The, okay. the strategy is just the last click or last mile, but because Everything else that is actually the real cause, or as Aristotle would call the first principles that create the results, because those are invisible. Those are beliefs, thoughts, and emotions. They don't make it into our mainstream awareness. And so even you look at growing our business, but you could use the same example for trying to lose weight or trying to change your health or trying to attract a relationship. 
everybody's looking at the, the strategy that works. And then we're like, well, I don't understand. Like, I applied the same strategy as somebody else. Like, why didn't it work? Why did it work for them? And why didn't it work for me? So getting a strategy that hasn't been working to work or finding a strategy that finally works is simply an effect of a changed mind. It's an effect of removing the resistance, the limiting beliefs, the childhood traumas, the personal stories that represent themselves psychologically and vibrationally inside of you, right? Removing those then all of a sudden opens up change in your life. Did that make sense? Yes. Well, I've lived it. So I've had like really like, and sometimes it's even just like becoming aware of like where the belief originated from and just really simple things as being like, wait a minute, I don't believe that. So like when I was working with you, one of um, my limiting beliefs that I wasn't conscious of, but I was like, I think I have an issue around saving money. And it just hit me one day. I was like, okay, what experience did I have as a child that could have led to this? And I remember that when I was little, I must've been like nine, I gave, and we were really poor at the time. And I gave my mom like a hundred dollars that my grandparents had given me to like safe keep for me. And she put it inside of a jacket of hers and it disappeared. And like to this day, I don't know if my stepdad found it and took it, if my mom took it, like they must have needed it, right? Like totally understand now as an adult. But I think for me, it originated from that. So like I had to think back, like was there an experience in my childhood where I believed that spending money, uh, that I should spend money because I, if, if I save it, something's going to happen to it. Um, and that's like what I remembered. And so right away I was like, okay, well, that was the stupidest thing in the world. Like I was little, like whatever. And then it was like from then on, I've had zero issues saving money. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Awareness can be transformative. Like what we've seen, if we look at the whole, because you asked before, you're like, what's the resistance that gets in the way? Right? If, if the equation is all I need to do is desire and be non-resistant, <laughs> like how do I do that? How do I let go of the resistance? And, and there is an inherent challenge because the way that the human being operating system works, the brain, the nervous system, and all of the ancillary components, is that the moment you have a desire, there's also an awareness of the absence of the thing you desire, right? It, it feels very survival-based, right? Like, oh, we need food, but we're noticing we don't have food. And out of noticing we don't have food, we start to resolve the problem. And it's, it's, a, it's a primal way of approaching things. It, it, it doesn't represent an understanding that, no, actually, you don't need to figure it out. Just have the desire and eliminate resistance because that's the name of the game. And then both from a psychological internal perspective, like the five primary drivers, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, actions, results, or from an external standpoint, and it's really a, a yes and, which is you're putting off a specific non-resistant vibration into the collective consciousness, which is organizing all the cooperative components to align timing and coincidence and synchronicity to support you in the process. Um, there's there's uh, what, what resistance is, oh, what, what automatically happens is that we start to give a meaning to the absence of the thing. But I'd like to grow my practice. Mm -hmm right? I'd like to grow my practice. Okay, that's the desire. But then all of a sudden you go, but man, I've been wanting to grow my practice for a long time. And it's been feeling hard to grow my practice. And it's so hard to find good people these days. You know, I really can't find anybody who is going to do the job as well as me. I mean, with the recession and all, it's more challenging. 
Plus, I've lost a handful of my clients as something, something else went on. And in my industry, it works this way. That's all the resistance. So it's very natural that it starts to unpack because left unattended, that's what the mind is going to do. And of course, you know, because we've worked together, what we're encouraging people to do is like, don't play that game, right? Or at least use, use that information to become aware that that's the resistance, but don't go play that game, right? Don't go, don't go move into trying to figure it out from there. And um, about 50% of the limiting beliefs that are holding anybody back can be transformed with a simple set of tools or awareness like you talked about, right? Like we've gone through the power of decision and two states of being and some of the other technologies that we teach. That'll clean up half of your, half of your dirty, dirty consciousness, right? No, yeah, for sure. Some are, some are harder. Like I've some experienced some, they're what? Some of them are harder. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I've literally been in like loops where I'm like, I know that the fear is like, and the like resistance, like the non-belief is like what's keeping me from it, but I can't get myself out of it, like on my own. Yeah. And sometimes it just takes me a really long time to get myself out of it. But like, I know I'm like, I'm trying to manifest this thing, whatever it is, or I'm trying to change this thing or what, whatever. But I know that it's like the fear of it not coming true or the like lack of letting go. It's like almost like I'm like so tense around it that I, it, and it's like the craziest thing because from a logical standpoint, it's like, I know, I know what's happening, but it just sometimes it's taken me like years to be able to like let go of certain things. Um, and that's where I think it's really important to, to work with someone that can kind of teach you how to do this. Because even someone that has the level of awareness that I know that I have, I still get stuck sometimes where I'm like, I don't know what to do. Or I remember you guys would have to like really walk me through like, okay, then what is really the issue? And it's like a one hour conversation for me to figure out maybe that's the issue, but I'm still not even like a hundred percent sure on something, you know? Yeah, well, and you're, com and you're committed to, to change. Like when you pick up on something, you really want to change it. And as you mentioned before, some people are, are still more committed to how they've been. But one of the things that we realized in the, in the beginning of last year, which at the time of this recording was about a year ago, uh, I, I had a, I guess what most people would call a nervous breakdown. I had a lot of things going on in my life at the same time. Um, from some annoying chronic health challenges to Carol being pregnant three months in to the business not working the way the business was. You know, our business grew very, very fast. We were Inc. 171. We built a $25 million coaching company over seven years. Uh, and then there were some um, changes in the way, uh, in particular, Apple and iOS were handling Facebook data, and that affected our Facebook advertising. So all of a sudden, you know, the way we were generating revenue for our business and, and building our email list and making an impact in the world changed. And um, I was under a tremendous amount of stress and I came home one day and uh, I had done enough transformational work involving the body to know that it's good to express your emotions and make sounds, that the, that's a way of releasing the energy from your body. And so I got in a shower, I took a cold shower and I just started yelling. And Carol and her mom came running in and they were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, I don't know. I said, the tension is so high. I'm like, I just, I know I need to do this. And um, I ended up, uh, I had a friend of mine who I, I do some remote sort of energetic work with, kind of calm down my nervous system. And then I got on the phone with my brother, who's more in the clinical world. He's a therapist out in Los Angeles. So he hooked me up with a psychiatrist and I'd been off of meds for like 15 years. 
And uh, when I first got into drug and alcohol and, and pornography addiction recovery, I got off of medication and felt really, really good. I was like, oh, wow, this is like what my nervous system is supposed to feel like. It was hard at first, but eventually it was like, oh, I, I have emotions now and I can feel it at a, at a different level and a healthy level. So anyway, they, they tried putting me on one medication and I was, I was open to it because I was like, shit, I got a baby on the way and I got to be functional for my wife and I've just been so stressed and, and I'm supposed to be teaching all this shit. Like it was a, <laughs> it was a whole thing. Um, and, uh, and I had this rare side effect from the medication. The doctor was like, oh, that's really unusual. Let's put you on a second medication. And I had a He's like, this one has almost no, no side effects. Then two days later, I'm like, hey, I'm having this thing go on. He's like, oh, we got to get you off this medication. And in the meantime, my brother had said, hey, why don't you go back to the one thing that had helped you in your life before when you were in a crisis? And that's the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I started going back to 12-step meetings. And I started working the 12 steps. <clears throat> I didn't have a problem with drinking, but I knew I had a problem with worry. And so I started working the 12 steps around my worry, and I found it to be highly effective. And at about the same time, my wife and my brother also went through these sort of breakdowns, and I realized that my core program, which is what we call it now, was worry, and my wife's core program is control, and my brother's core program is shame. And so what we discovered, because you said, hey, it feels like sometimes like a thing shows up and I can't stop thinking about it. And intellectually I know, but I like, I, and I'm even in this work and I'm using the tools I've used before to change my beliefs. And it seems like it's been sticking around for years. There's a high probability that that's an expression of the core program, which is this intermarriage between your parents' core programs. It's sort of like if we were to look at the one or two biggest limiting beliefs that you're, uh, your, your father, let's say you had both your parents, your father instilled upon you and your mother instilled upon you. If they had a baby, that's your core program. And so mine would be anxiety because my mom is super anxious. Yeah. And like, I feel like at a core level, like on a like soul level, I don't think that I'm an anxious person. I think it was learned. Um, and I'm anemic, so I guess that that can play into it. So like right now, like the biggest issue that I'm personally dealing with, like you named yours, mine's anxiety, which is similar to worry. I would argue they're right yeah. there. It's the same shit basically. Um, but I agree. I think it's totally, I picked it up from my mom. I'm very aware of that. I just don't know how to necessarily fully get rid of it yet. Although yeah, you know so what's really helpful? Just what? side note, Yeah. cold exposure. Yeah. It is crazy, I right? I, I cold plunge almost. Well, I have an in-ground cold plunge here at our home in Puerto Rico. <laughs> I'm doing almost five days a week. I don't have one um, yet, but I've been doing cold showers, and I swear yeah. I go from like forty intrusive thoughts about how like I'm gonna die or someone's gonna die to one, and yeah. I'm like I can handle one because one I can kind of like walk myself through it. But forty, it's they're coupled with forty negative emotions, right? Yes. So forty is too much for me. One, I can like deal with that, or even like I can jump on a plane without having to have a drink. Um, it's been like life changing. I can't that's, believe something so simple. Yeah, it's, crazy? It's, it's really astute, and it's about putting the body under stress and then and then allowing it to to, to come back down. Right? The more we go under stress yeah. and we come back down, whether you're doing some form of somatic breath work or Wim Hof or whether you're doing the ice baths or whether you're doing like extremely hot sauna or whether you're training really hard right? Like in the gym, um, all, of those, all of those things are helpful. Cause you know, I like, I think I heard Joe Rogan say once, cause I don't want to take credit for it, but he said like, I do, I do that. I force myself into situations that feel uncomfortable so I can yep. more effectively deal with the uncomfortable situations in my life. He has said that. Yes. 
And so this, this, this core program, which was a more recent discovery, because we, we identified sort of four categories of resistance. One is your run-of-the-mill limiting beliefs and the tools that we provide, as you know, to help people kind of transform those. Uh, and then the core program is in that set. And the interesting thing about the core program is you can't, you can't fix it. It's not, a, it's not a thing to be changed, and that's why people struggle with it so much in personal growth. Um, it's actually a thing to be surrendered. Um, going back to the idea of surrender out of 12 steps uh, technology, and also I think we use this word surrender a lot, but a lot of people don't know, like, what, what do you mean? Like, how do I surrender? How do I allow? How do I let go of something? Um, and so it's really about understanding that this is your core program, that it's really a gift that it's trying to work its way through you to transform from what has helped you earlier on in your life, but has now become debilitating and for it to emerge as the next level of gift for you so that you actually can go achieve the vision you have. Like the core program is critical to it. So the core program is not an enemy. It's a, it's a really interesting transformational experience that we get called to. It becomes crippling almost at some point. And, uh, but if you understand it and you, and you've got the right tools to, to be in a practice of surrender and allowing around it, um, then over time, it literally just starts to burn off your nervous system. Uh, just, it starts going. And part of that experience is bringing you back to a relationship with some form of higher power and trusting that the universe or God or Jesus or whatever you want to call it, right. Um, can, can relieve you of, of this thing. Uh, biblically, it's referred to as the the thorn in the side, um, and it's also about so having. Wait, wait, what happened with you? Like you went through the twelve steps for yeah. worry, and then yeah. can you sleep now. I can sleep now. Yeah, and and I'm still in process with my core program. Um, what the we have something we take people through called the surrender experience. That's really like uh, how you work with the core program. Um, and it's about becoming aware of what are the thoughts and patterns and behaviors that I engage in when my core program is active. So that's, that's step one. Like what am I, what am I doing in what we would call the obsession or the compulsion of my core program? And then once we become aware of that, um, in, in recovery, we created our circles. So your, your inner circle is for me, it would be, you know, running off to the doctor at the first sign of something not feeling right in my body or constantly check, checking my pulse and seeing if I'm having any skipped heartbeats, or Googling something on, uh, on, on my health. That would be what's called my inner circle. And, and those are the things that, the behaviors that I no longer want to engage in. Your middle circle is sort of the slippery slope into it. Thoughts that you're having, ways that you're feeling, where you're sort of en route to the compulsive behavior, right? And that compulsive behavior, in my case, it's worry or anxiety. It could be, you know, checking your bank account or your stock market account 10 times a day. It could be being angry and yelling at your employees. So we want to identify what the behavior is. We want to identify the slippery slope when we're moving into it. And then we want to identify alternatives. That's your outer circle. Personally and fellowship and spiritually connecting activities to bring you more energy to your point, because this is a game of energy, being in a high energetic state. And so, for example, when I start to obsess around how I'm feeling, I'll go for a walk. I'll hit up a 12-step meeting. I'll phone a friend. I'll go play with the baby, right? I'll, I've identified an action plan for when my neural networks and my nervous system start to 
habit into the core program. And I don't try to fix the core program. I simply choose a different behavior. And if you're willing to do that, to be in the practice of surrender, because that is what the practice of surrender is. Everything in my mind and body and energy tells me this could be really bad. I need to call a doctor because in my case, it was like chronic health worries. And I have to go, whoa, like, hey, this feels exactly what I wrote down. It sounds exactly what I wrote down. This is my core program. And even though to me it seems very logical that I should behave this way and I feel like it's helped me in the past, I'm going to play this other game. I'm going to play the surrender game and I'm going to go do these other things. And every time you actually choose spiritually or energetically or personally connecting and enriching activities, other, rather than choosing your core program, you're building a rep in that direction, right? And what you're basically doing is each time you're surrendering, 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 allowing, allowing, allowing. But does it rewire your brain? That's the effect, yeah. Because if you can pull your attention off of the neural networks, the nervous system patterns, the habits of thoughts and habits of emotion and behavior, right, then over time it, it breaks those chains down. You're breaking your, 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 your neural synaptic or connective links you begin to create a deterioration of the myelin that allows these impulses to run across these synaptic connections. The more you do the same thing, the more you build it up. It's the same thing as muscle fiber. I mean, it's not the same thing as muscle fiber, but it's a good metaphor. Got it. Yeah. Now, do you believe that we can change our personality? That we can change our personality? Yeah. Yes. I think, I think uh, one of the reasons why we are here is to reclaim the elements and the essence of kind of who we originally came in as that became uh, reprogrammed and masked as elements or aspects of other people, right? And a lot of getting into this personal growth work is about letting go of who you thought you had to be or who you were programmed to be that isn't really you so that the real you can emerge. And when we're being the real us, that, that actually is the way to everything that we want, to more money, to more impact, to a greater business, to more joy. It's about, it's about being more of you. But, you know, how do you, how do you get from, hey, I'm stressed out and I've got challenges in my health or my business or my relationships to this conversation of like being your authentic self? <laughs> you know, it's a journey. Because if I, you know, we're talking to a room full of attorneys saying, hey, I can help you be your authentic self, I'd have zero people coming into the back of the room to <laughs> probably talk to me by the time I'm done. Maybe you at this point, right? Maybe a couple. But if I said, hey, if you want to get rid younger. of all this... Yeah. The younger you rid, generation. The younger generation. If you want to get rid of all this shit that you don't want in your experience of your business and your life, and you want to create all this stuff that you do, do want, come to the back of the room. And then maybe 18 months from now, we'll be talking about what it's like to be your authentic self, right? The language forms over time, and you, you know that. Like, we developed a whole... And you had been in personal development for a while, right? We just expanded upon the personal growth vocabulary as, as we went on. And I, I think what's tough is, like, I've read so much on, you know, I liked self-help before it was cool. Like, right now, it's cool. I liked it when my friends were like, what are you doing in the self-help section of Barnes & Noble? Like, you weirdo. I've always, like, loved it. But I think what was hard for me is, again, it, I can be so, so practical and logical, but then it's like, there's like a resistance between like the emotion and like my brain being like, oh yeah, this sounds simple. 
So for me, why I came to you was because I wanted to actually implement versus just understand the theories behind um, a lot of these um, things that I have learned, right? Um, and like to have someone like somewhat hold me accountable or like even just like walk me through certain things. And sometimes it wasn't, there was nothing there. It was just you're excited and you're perceiving it as being nervous. Like I had that once with you guys where like by the end of it, we were like, okay, there really wasn't nothing. I'm just excited. And it's like showing up as me being nervous, right? Um, but I guess what would you, like if somebody's listening and they, they want to, you know, learn more about this um, besides contacting you and we'll put everything in the show notes. What are some of your, favorite books like what has been the most influential for you personally there's a book called the power of decision by a guy named raymond charles barker uh, i think raymond charles barker was early 1900s uh you made me the, it. what's that you sent it to me and made I me read send it. it to you yeah he's part of the new thought movement so he he really understood understood this conversation well and has a beautiful way of explaining that you can change your life by changing your mind, and it doesn't have to be that hard. Uh, another book that had a tremendous impact on me, it's not for everybody, but those who have read it will like that I mentioned it, is uh, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. So Paramahansa Yogananda was an Indian saint who wrote his autobiography in the 40s and 50s, 1940s and 1950s, who um, really understood how to communicate to people this intersection between science and psychology and um, and spiritual and wisdom teachings, along with practical meditation tools to become more self-realized. Um, those are two books that had a great impact on me. And there's, there's a handful. Um, another one that I really, really liked, um, it's just a beautiful story. I don't know how practical it is in terms of its tool set, was the Surrender Experience, uh, Surrender Experiment by, uh, by Michael Singer. Uh, just really showed how life is always working for our greatest growth, our greatest best benefit, our greatest prosperity, and how pretty much every challenge we ever experienced when we look back on it was a critical catalyst for the things that we really, really cherish. And that book helped me be in the next challenge and go, oh, well, this is probably that too. So why don't I just relax a little bit? Because so much of the game of creating life isn't actually us creating it. It's just relaxing while life is trying to create it around us. And again, I'm not saying we don't do anything. What I'm saying is if you're in non-resistance, you'll naturally take inspired action and you'll be so much more effective and efficient when you do. And you'll be doing it at a time when you have the energy. And that's the exact opposite of hustle and grind. And there's no comparison between the efficiency of action that's taken out of non-resistance and the mutant you know, form of it, which is I got to push myself through. Yeah, I think one of the first things I learned from you guys that became really clear was that the universe is always working for me. Because I went back and I thought, okay, like the shittiest times of my life, and they were like, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for those things, yeah. right? Um, that was like a really, really, really big one. And then ever since I started working with you guys, or when I worked, uh, to this day, I try to not resist when like, my flight is delayed or and I'm stuck somewhere and I'm just like, well, I can either be upset and annoyed, but like I have zero control over the situation. 
or I can just make the best of it and like let it be because for me that's a struggle like I want to control everything which is why I don't like flying um, I don't like it when things don't like turn out my way and I know that if I don't start to get a grasp on it now it's gonna be really tough when my kids are teens so I'm not looking forward to that yeah it's um, it's it's certainly a lot easier to use the space you have now when there's potentially less complexity to retrain yourself to uh, operate with right perspective and right thoughts and right emotions and ease and flow um, than when you're in the midst of, you know, extreme challenge. And I think that's why you yeah, at a personal level before your kids are teens, but at a global level, you know, one of the things Carol and I have been talking about is you have to treat mindset like your life or in your, and your business depend on it because they do. Like this is the nucleus of everything that you're creating in your life. And if you're not committed or disciplined on a daily or at least a weekly basis, if you're not investing in yourself in order to, you know, heal or transform the, the, the blueprint that you've come with that's creating experiences that you don't like, um, you're not focused on, on, on the right game. And that game is going to get more and more complex with um, what we're seeing happening in the world. Uh, there's great, there's great change that's already upon us. And so the ability to be able to be certain and faithful and courageous, uh, and aligned, uh, is gonna, is gonna be, you know, worth its weight in gold as the environment around us becomes more and more uncertain. And that's not, that's not like a fear thing, right? Like we believe in the goodness, the certainty of the goodness of the future. Um, and you know, I, I think it's, it's, we've seen it's a bumpy ride to get there. And most people are victims in terms of how they think and how they feel to their external circumstances. Someone feels good if their external circumstances are going the way that they expect them to. Um, and so what we're wanting to help people learn how to do is to um, feel good no matter what. And if you can feel good no matter what, then you're living in a non-resistant state. And if we go back to that equation of desire plus non-resistance equals desired result, it's just a matter of time. You know, you'll produce everything that you envision for yourself, for your life, for your loved ones, uh, and you'll do it in a way that's actually going to give you the opportunity to spend time uh, and enjoy your life with, with the people you care about. So it's really cool. It's like if you, if you understand how the game works and you start training yourself to run the plays and play by the rules, you get to have it all. And if you don't, you get to kind of have like this really watered down version of, I guess, what success and happiness could be. Got it. Yeah. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Um, our website is a great place, www.davidbear.com. Um, on our homepage, I've got my free ebook, which is a fantastic read for people who want to go deeper and they can subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, we're launching our podcast. Well, by the time of this recording, we'll probably be live. It's called a change mind podcast. And that's where you can go even deeper into these conversations and get some daily hits of transformation and inspiration. YouTube it, are you going to have guests on it or you're going to, it's just, are you going to have guests on the podcast or it'll be about 90% me and about 10% guests? Okay. No, I was hoping you would say it was just you. What, you say, I'm sorry. I was talking. About I was hoping, I was hoping you would say it was you it's just, just talking. Yeah. Yeah. We are, our, our vision for the podcast is, is what my team and I are calling a sanctuary for the human spirit. 
So we want people to be able to go in and really connect to truth and resonance because all of the external misinformation and dissonance that's out there and the hustle and grind and stress. We, we, we want it to be a place where people can go. And then every day we'll be putting up segments of the podcast on YouTube so that people can just get daily hits. And then I have my book coming out. I'm really excited in September. It's also called A Changed Mind. It's already for, uh, available for pre-order on Amazon. Um, and it's, it's my story along with all the tools that Maria, you and I worked on together and our entire framework and really, really, as you astutely pointed out, like not just understanding it intellectually, but having the tools to embody and integrate and create change for yourself. So those are good ways people can connect. Yeah, no, I think that that's like the biggest game changer, at least for me, maybe some people are really great at like reading a book and then like implementing it. But I really struggled with a lot of it until I had a framework to be able to um, to kind of get myself out of things. Again, I still, we could have like a whole 20 million hours on, you know, my, I, my feelings have not changed. And David and his team worked really hard on the fact that I don't think that there's enough time in a day. Um, but I, I'm more calm about it now. Like, I'm just like, like you taught me, I'm like, there's only so much I can do. That's all that's going to get done. It is what it is. Um, you know, whereas before I would be stressed, like there, I have so much to do. And now I'm like, okay, well, I know that I can only do what I can do today. And that's all that's going to get done. And it is what it is. You know, there are things, there are things that we believe we need to get done. There are things on our task list, but what I'm encouraging people to do is to open themselves up to, um, co-create their businesses or their practices with life itself. You know, when, when I, I was introduced quote unquote randomly to a gentleman who I had a wonderful conversation with, who introduced me to the producer of uh, the top podcast and shown my category, which is impact theory. And I happened to meet them at a time where the host, Tom Bilyeu, uh, said, Hey, I want you to see if you can find some people who aren't the same great people that everybody else is having, but like a new fresh person who's going to be an up and coming big name. And I want to, I want to see them first. And so then they had me on the show and there's been over a million views of my interview on impact theory. Uh, I think we probably had 200, 300 people move into my mind hack program, my digital course. Uh, another you know, few hundred people come to my live event, the Powerful Living Experience, and it's probably generated close to half a million to a million dollars for our organization and has given me a tremendous amount of like brand authority that I was able to leverage in other ways. I couldn't have architected that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, Those are things that seem like you're involved with because you're involved with it, but they're really a response to desire plus non-resistance equals desired result. And the more of those things that you start being available for in your business, then the less of the old model that you have to do. And that old model does feel like there's not enough time. Uh, by the way, I'm not saying I'm not going to write copy this week or review something my team is doing. Um, but you can have your business reimagined if you're willing to actually step back and look at what resistance you're inserting into the equation. And that starts to really alter your experience of time because there's so many factors that go into what you experience as an average day or average week or average month. And there's a lot more help available. Um, but I just always we, feel like there's like, I always feel like there's something I could be doing. Yes. Like, I don't know that I can get rid of that 
or that I even want to get well, rid of that. Well, I, I would offer that if I could show you uh, that by doing what you call nothing, like going and spending time with your kids and being fully present for them or taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like, a nature's walk, a day spa, a bubble bath, a meditation practice, that by taking more vacations, by investing even more in the types of containers and environments that would improve you and your husband's relationship, that those were the single most impactful things that you could do to grow your business, I think you'd be willing to do them. The issue is, is that, what's that? But I do all of that, not all of it, but I do things that are uh, for me and for me only. And I had to work through it, but I don't feel guilty at all about it. Great. Like, then the next thing we would look at is if I could convince you that the thing that's preventing you from actually being able to create more, or be available for more, is this idea that you, you have that there's not enough time, then you might be willing to give it up. Maybe. 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 But that sounds Maybe. like a whole that sounds like an episode on not enough time. I know, right? All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you to everything that David Bear shared with us today. If you found the story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show. I'll catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.